Hey guys, Josh here. We have a really exciting announcement. We've created a Patreon. Creating these podcasts takes a lot of time and effort. And so for the price of a cup of coffee a month, you'll be able to support the show and allow us to keep doing what we love. But not only that, we've created a ton of really awesome perks for you to enjoy as well. From early access to our episodes, our personal player rankings, bonus episodes, AMAs, and something we're really excited about, the opportunity for us to have a one-on-one conversation and break down your entire fantasy league, giving you actionable advice tailored specifically to your fantasy league. All of that and more is available at patreon.com forward slash the fantasy brothers. Thank you all so much for your support. Now let's hop into the episode. Welcome back to the Fantasy Brothers Podcast. I am one of your lovely hosts, Josh Johnson. And over there, doing God knows what, is Ben Watts. What's that supposed to mean? I I don't know. I I can't really see what you're doing. So you're doing God knows what. That's a very good thing. I think it's good for everybody that we do not do video podcasts. Just wait. YouTube is coming. (laughs) We won't be on there long, but... No, we'll get suspended immediately. Well, a question. Why are we lovely? You know, I don't know. What should we that, be? Uh, that doesn't feel feel manly. This is, this is a football podcast, man. <laughs> Meat. Football. Good. We, we have the lovely we are, hosts. We are your meat hosts. Man, we talk football. We eat burgers. <laughs> We'll, we'll workshop it. How about that? All right. Put it through a focus group. Yeah, we'll do it. The NFL draft happened this past weekend, and uh, Ben and I watched the entirety of it because, you know, We haven't slept in nerds. days. Yeah, we have not. We watched the seventh round when three punters went. It was exhilarating. So, yeah, we did all that so you don't have to, and we bring you our revised rookie rankings now that the draft has happened, now that we know where everybody's at. We can kind of bake in prospect profiles, landing spots, and really project what these players are going to do for us on our fantasy teams in 2022. Before we get into all that, we got a couple announcements. First of all, and most importantly, uh, Ben and I have started a Patreon, which is incredibly exciting. Uh, Essentially, what we wanted to do was create an avenue for you all, if you enjoyed the show, to be able to support us and allow us to continue doing the Fantasy Brothers podcast, but also allow a way for you all to connect with us in a more personal setting. So we've got a lot of perks on there. There's a lot of things in there that uh, you wouldn't get otherwise. We've got potential AMAs. Um, There's even the ability for us to give you a personalized rundown of your fantasy team and write up what you should do going forward, as well as early access to podcast episodes and a whole bunch of other fun stuff. But the main thing is uh, we have created an avenue for you all to connect with us and you know create a little bit more of a communal atmosphere over there on Patreon. And that's what fantasy football is all about. Exactly. It's about creating all those relationships, sticking with each other through years of heartache and pain, and uh, growing together for it. Isn't that right? That's right. We have, what is our, our dynasty league started in the freshman year, college, and yep. it's kept us all together for about six years now. It's honestly amazing how fantasy football does that, because... It should not be something that is like your link to other human beings, but it literally is that. For me especially, I I can't necessarily speak for you, but it's literally my link to other humans is our fantasy league. Like Otherwise, I would not talk to them. And that's what's amazing about it. It's wild. I mean, some of these guys, like I'll go a month without texting you, and I'll text you about a trade, and then we'll talk for a while. Exactly. So I'm sure we'll get, uh, you know, the more we do Patreon, the more we'll kind of figure it out, the ins and outs of it. I'm very excited about the, is it the max tier? We like almost, we do a per, uh, personalized podcast for you where we like 
we record this and break down your league. I, this is not the selfish me pick the highest tier or whatever, but I just think that would be fun. Yeah, I mean, like, it, think about the favorite, your favorite podcasts, um, guys that you listen to on a weekly basis, literally breaking down your fantasy team. I would sign up for that if that were an opportunity. Uh, but unfortunately, it's not. So we decided we would do it for you. I'm looking forward to it. It'll be a blast. So we're going to hop right into it. We got some news uh, coming out of the draft. First off, draft was Major insane. News. Major news. But One of the uh, wildest drafts I've seen. Uh, th- like trades in the first round, receivers moving teams. Have we ever seen an offseason where this many receivers moved? Like, holy crap. It was like almost everybody that mattered. Pretty much. Who wasn't on a rookie deal already. It was was terrifying. It was buyer beware for receivers this offseason, which was kind of annoying because I had shifted a lot of my dynasty leagues to focus on receivers. And then the NFL said, actually, you should go back to uh, focusing on running backs. Very annoying. That's stupid. But anyway, uh, Mike Davis was cut by the Atlanta Falcons earlier today. We're recording this. What is today? Monday, May 2nd. May 2nd. Uh, So Mike Davis was cut earlier today, which I guess means more running work. Good for Cordero Patterson. Really good for... Oh, crap. I forgot his name. For, Who is uh, it? Algier? Taylor, Taylor Algier, Algier, yeah. Yeah. Who we drafted in the fifth round, I believe. So You're a Falcons fan and did not know who you took in the fifth round of the NFL draft. Listen, all right? Listen. We're not winning this year, so I, I didn't pay as close attention as I have in years past. This is you, this is a setup <laughs> year. This is a setup. <laughs> it's basically your Bryce Young year. Is that right? We are tanking for Bryce. Yeah. We probably won't get him. We'll we're gonna I, I, I am so scared. We drafted Desmond Ritter in the third, which is good value, quote unquote, for Desmond Ritter, but we're gonna be crazy enough to not play him as rookie year, pass on quarterbacks next year, and then which is supposed to be a good quarterback draft, and then start him in twenty twenty four and we are going to die. That would be a disaster. I see I see it coming. Oh God. I will pray for you. Um so Davis is gone and he was a you know, two down back that would give you four yards and fall down kind of thing. He was not good last year. He was a one year wonder when Christian McCaffrey went out. Right. And I, I guess it means more running work on the first couple downs for Cordero, but probably it means that Taylor Algier is a sneaky buy because I just can't see Cordero Patterson being a three-down running back. He's 30, what is he, 31, and he's never really so. done that before. It seems like a stretch well, there's to also, expect that. There's a, there's a lot of... The word. There's a lack of receivers in Atlanta, so I feel Cordero will probably get a lot of receiving work too, which means I could see Taylor Algier kind of having a sort of a Michael Carter breakout sort of thing to where just there's a vacuum of touches and they just went to him. I wouldn't bank on him for Dynasty, but he's an interesting Dynasty stash because obviously you saw what the Jets did to Michael Carter to where everybody was really excited about him. He had a great rookie year, but he was a fourth-round pick, and that's very easily replaceable, and Brees Hall just buried him. Pretty much. Um, I, I could see that happening with Algier. I mean, he doesn't have the draft capital, but what's really interesting about this draft is there are several guys that you would not think have the draft capital but ended up in advantageous situations and should probably contribute in 2022 absolutely DeAndre Hopkins DeAndre Hopkins was suspended earlier today the first six games (laughs) for PED use 
And apparently, I saw this on Twitter. I don't know if it's true or not. Apparently, there was a little bit of beaver tranquilizer in there. What? <laughs> the man apparently took beaver tranquilizer. Look, I work in a vet's office. I've never seen beaver tranquilizer. <laughs> what? Like, what do you even do with that? <laughs> I don't know. Obviously, it's chilling out, I reckon. Uh, does it does it help the old recovery process? We'll see if D Hop comes back after week six and dominates. I I mean I guess that is yeah this is depressing. We were calling for D Hop. I I was calling for. He D-Hop. was our number one buy. Yeah, he was he was the guy that it just seemed like there was such a clear path to him being dominant for fantasy football. Obviously, that was before the Marquise Brown trade, but even still, I was expecting... Marquise Brown pulls coverage off of D-Hop. Right. I was expecting D-Hop to be productive regardless. I was still thinking he was going to be a top 15 wide receiver, and obviously this happens, and he kind of plummets down draft boards because he misses half the fantasy season. I guess the direct uh, benefactor of this is Marquise Brown, and we were talking about this earlier today. I've now got Marquise Brown as a wide receiver one because he gets six games of wide receiver one volume. Um, does he move up for you a ton or, you know, where are you at with Marquise Brown now? He moves up a lot, I think. I, I can't put him as a wide receiver one. I can't do it right now. He, as much as, like, juicy as this sounds, he switched teams, which he's, he's his new team, uh new quarterback, all that kind of stuff. And historically, when receivers switch teams, not saying it doesn't happen because obviously DeAndre Hopkins did it, but historically when receivers switch teams, they tend to struggle at least the first year. So he's got a new offense to learn, new chemistry to build. I still, I've got him as a wide receiver too now just because of the target vacuum, but I'm not willing to put him that high. I do think that with the prior relationship that he's got with Kyler Murray where they played in college. In fact, they were working out with each other like 10 days ago before this trade happened. So I think the chemistry bit isn't going to be very difficult for them to form. Like, I think they've already got that. Um, the only thing was he was going to easily be the second fiddle and there will be 11 games where he is the second fiddle but I think now you also factor in six games where Marquise Brown is the number one target in Arizona. And those six games, he should be really good. Yeah. And Kyler has struggled a lot when D-Hop is out. So I'm, True. I'm lower on Kyler without D-Hop. Though, to be fair, his second target option when D-Hop has been out has been Christian Kirk. So, I don't know. I do think the offense. He's still better than Christian Kirk, so. He is. He is. He's definitely better. And maybe it means Rondell Moore benefits a little bit. I know he got killed during the draft because obviously he lost a bunch of potential work. Um, I don't know. I don't know exactly how it shakes out. Rondell's dot. Oh, God. We hope so. Doesn't have an dot of negative 1.3. Please, at least throw him to the line of scrimmage. (laughs) So, NFL draft this weekend. Um, Not a ton has changed with regard to rookies. There's a couple risers, a couple fallers, but for the most part, I do think that the guys we thought were good kind of went to lateral or similar landing spots. And Brees Hall is Brees Hall, and everybody else is everybody else. And I kind of think that that's pretty much how the draft shook out this weekend. We missed on a lot of landing spots, but overall, I don't think a lot of these landing spots really changed things. Right. So, number one rookie going into rookie drafts, if you're drafting anybody else, you're doing it wrong. It's Brees Hall. Um, Michael Carter essentially is dead, you know. Brees Hall's the guy. I traded last season Michael Carter to a guy who needed a running back 
and I got a 2023 first and Christian Kirk out of it. So that you is looking are like a, savage. a brilliant move. Brilliant move. Well, I mean, it, to be fair, he was number one in the league at the time. He just lost, I think, Leonard Fournette to an injury. So he was pushing for the playoffs, and he's looking for anybody. I'm like, Michael Carter's been doing good. What do you want for Michael Carter? And his first, obviously, would be late, but still. It was a, it was a smash except. It was a great move. So, yeah, Brees Hall, Brees one-on-one. Hall, great I've seen great a lot player. of people upset about where he went to the Jets. Like, oh, that's terrible for Brees Hall. He went to the Jets. It's a horrible landing spot. I don't think it's a horrible landing spot. I no. think it's, it's pretty good. I mean, he's clearly going to be the workhorse back going in there. Anybody who says Michael Carter is still going to be the third down back, I think is wrong. Michael Carter will have a role for sure. But I think Brees Hall immediately is a three-down running back in that offense. He's We've talked about his profile on the show before. He profiles maybe not as good as Jonathan Taylor and all those guys, but it's up there. He's a athletic monster. He's going to see... Even if Michael Carter takes away a lot of Brees Hall's receiving work, I think he still at least gets... 225 touches probably on the ground not including his receiving work I think he does too but I'm being very generous like this is worst case scenario 225 carries 30 receptions and I think that's more so Brees Hall is an RB1 going into 2022 yeah I I concur to the point that I traded up for him in our rookie draft because I just wanted to make sure I could get him um He's, he is the only, to me, the only sure thing in this rookie class. All the other ones have question marks. Uh, Brees Hall, to me, is like basically what Najee Harris was last year, where he's going to get volume. It doesn't matter. He literally, literally was one of four prospects, maybe, in this draft where you're drafting them knowing you're getting a pro bowler year one. Like, that's what he is. He is a fantastic running back prospect and he's going to produce like anybody saying Kenneth Walker is a better prospect than Brees Hall or in a no, better he's not. spot. He's not, uh, he's just not. So Brees Hall is going to smash. Jets are building something too. So that works out even better in Brees Hall's favor. Went out, drafted a, uh, another wide receiver to take coverage off. So yeah, things, I mean, are, that, things are looking that, up. If that offense improves and he gets more scoring opportunities, I mean, that could be just terrifying. Yeah. 101, and it's not a close second. Right. Number two for us is Traylon Burks, who replaces A.J. Brown in the Tennessee Titans offense as their X receiver. And funny hey. enough, his comp Breathe, is... A.J. Brown owners. He's, he's A.J. Brown. So what's really interesting with Burks... He is the only receiver I've currently got projected in my top 24 of these rookies. And I'm not projecting him to replace A.J. Brown like for like, but I do think that he can do a lot of things that A.J. Brown did. Um, I don't know if he is the same freak of nature that A.J. Brown is. Like, A.J. Brown is a, any given year, he's got the potential to be a top five receiver in the league. And I can't put that on Traylon Burks yet. Like, we haven't seen him play in the league. We don't know exactly how good it is. But I do think that he's going to be he's, very solid, and he's got a path to targets. He comps to A.J. Brown. I mean, like you said, I don't think he is A.J. Brown. Otherwise, if I'm the Eagles, why would you trade A.J. Brown, then pay him $100 million if Traylon Burks is the same thing on a rookie deal? Right. Not saying that Traylon Burks can't be that, but he is not right now. Correct. Yeah, I think there's a lot of debate at this 102 spot. A lot of people are taking Drake London. A lot of people are taking Kenneth Walker. But I do think that Burks, while London will have volume, I think Burks will have volume, but I think he'll have the ability to pop where London won't as much. And we're about to get Burks to London more in a second. Burks does have a better quarterback. And he's in an offense where 
coverage is not going to focus on him. Like a rookie being the wide receiver one in an offense sometimes is a red flag because you can just roll coverage to him. And he's a rookie. He's not polished yet. He's going to suffer for it. But in that offense with Derrick Henry, like that's not going to happen. He's going to get one-on-one. And a ton of loaded boxes. Right. And he's going to be a great play-action receiver. So I expect he'll still have weeks where he kind of doesn't show up, where Robert Woods gets one of those like seven-catch, 60-yard kind of games. But I do think Burks <clears throat> is going to be a very solid pick for fantasy. I mean, that's, that's typical of any rookie. I mean, Jamar Chase, as spectacular as his rookie season was, he had weeks where he just kind of no-showed. Right. And it happens. You just kind of bake it in. That goes with the territory. Number three, Number three. we have Drake London, your guy. Love Drake London. He wasn't my wide receiver one coming into this, but I've always said like he could be the most talented wide receiver in this whole draft class. He profiles like a, Mike Evans is his comp. He goes to an offense where targets are just wide open in Atlanta. Now, I understand that I don't know who's throwing in the ball in Atlanta. Is it Marcus Mariota? Do we go with Desmond Ritter? Neither of those options are very good. However, there's, there's just a ton open. Um, I think Kyle Pitts benefits from this because now you have to shift coverage over to Drake London. And Drake London benefits from this because Kyle Pitts is the number one target in that offense. So you can't just focus on London. And both of them are going are just terrifying in the red zone. Right. Yeah, he um he should certainly just get volume. Like he's a guy that might only score like three times, but he would probably be a lock for a thousand yards kind of deal. Like he's walking into gosh, probably at least 130 targets as a rookie. So probably he'll take that. That's yeah. more than Jamar Chase got. Right. And he should be safer on a week-to-week basis, I would think, just because like, every week he should get seven, eight targets. Kyle Pitts should probably get eight, nine, ten targets. Uh, Drake London, seven, eight. Cordero is going to get his five. And like that's your offense. I mean, that is the passing pie in Atlanta. And I think... That's what you're saying. It's kind of, I mean, it looks sounds a lot like Mike Evans. Mike Evans goes out there, he'll get eight targets, 100 yards, may not score a touchdown every time, but, I mean, Evans scores, what, seven, eight touchdowns a year? Lock yeah. him in? 1,000 yeah. yards, eight touchdowns? I mean, that'll do it. I don't know if London will get you eight touchdowns, but, shoot, he'll get you those 1,000 yards. And he's not, and, he's uh, not a super polished guy yet, but... His style of play, just he's a basketball player out there. He yeah, boxes people out, throw it up to him. He's strong, big. He's got the ability to He might be the improve. best prospect in this class. He might. There's several guys that could end up being the best prospect in the class, but he certainly is one of them, and, and he should be good. And he's been he, dominating... He's been dominating since he came into college football at 18 years old, so right. I don't see him slowing down. Number four for us is Kenneth Walker, who I think at first glance ends up with a pretty iffy landing spot in Seattle on a team that's probably not going to be very good. But the thing with Kenneth people Walker that's really it. interesting, people don't love it, but it's split. There's... There's a faction of people that think Kenneth Walker is a smash pick. Uh, there's also a faction more like the analytics crowd that's just not really into it. I feel like the truth lies somewhere in between those two things because Kenneth Walker landed in an offense where Pete Carroll loves Kenneth Walker-type players. Um, Absolutely. So I don't know if that means Kenneth Walker is you know, top 24 running back year one. But I do think that even if he's not year one, he's behind two guys that are on one-year contracts in Rashad Penny and Chris Carson. And by the way, we don't know if Chris Carson's even going to play again. Um, 
So if if Rashad Penny is really good, which I do think he is good, and he balls out this year, he's probably going to get a contract to go somewhere else, and Seattle's just going to let him walk because they've got Kenneth Walker. And in 2023, Kenneth Walker could be a RB1 just based on, you know, he is going to get 25 touches a game, and that's all you need. So... He's a guy that I wouldn't count on for 2022, but going forward in a dynasty format, he should be really, really good. Yeah, I don't, I don't care. This is not care too much. I'm not scared of Chris Carson at all. Even if Chris Carson plays, I think Kenneth Walker is over him. Yeah. In the depth chart, and I think he's honestly ahead of Rashad Penny on the depth chart. I think he's the starter probably right away. He. Probably splits with um, Rashad Penny, kind of like Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams at first, I think. Um, I don't think there's a ton of receiving work for these running backs, so you don't love that. But Pete Carroll loves the running backs. He's going to funnel touches to them. So, Right. Rashad Penny, health is obviously an issue with him. So it's not... It's not the end of the world with Kenneth Walker's landing spot. He'll be fine. Yeah, you're one. He could be, at a minimum, a guy in a timeshare with an injury-prone running back in front of him. Or if Penny kind of takes control of the backfield, he could be a great handcuff. I just think 2023 and beyond, he's a smash. He's a top 15 running back after this year once they let everybody go. Yeah. So if... If you can wait, if you're a crap team <laughs> that can get him mid-first round and can wait on him, I think he's a smash. Yeah. Number five, you get the honors of convincing me why Garrett Wilson should be a really good fantasy player going forward. I'm a lot higher on Garrett Wilson than you are. Garrett Wilson was our one before all this happened. And I put Burks, I put London ahead of him, obviously, because London, I think, gets more targets. And Burks ahead of him, obviously, because he's going to get a ton of targets. But I, I really don't have Garrett Wilson super far behind him. Great for Dynasty. I'm not worried about his Dynasty value at all. He's an elite-level prospect because the guy was dominating at Ohio State, which is super impressive because he wasn't even the best receiver on his team. That was Jackson Smith and Jigba. So the fact that he still was elite and productive with Jigba, with Alave, with Jamison Williams was on the team too. So I'm not worried. His prospect profile is elite. Like he's no, he's no Jamar Chase or anything like that, but he is a phenomenal prospect. I think he immediately takes over the wide receiver one role in uh, the, at the Jets. Zach Wilson, I know a lot of people are very iffy on him. I like him, but I get why you're iffy on him. But I think Wilson's getting minimum 100 targets probably his rookie year. Uh, obviously, Elijah Moore is going to pull coverage off of him. Brees Hall... People are going to have to account for him, so that's going to help. Um, that's going to help Wilson. So I I like it a lot. Yeah, not worried about he's, Wilson. He's really talented. The problem for me is that he and Elijah Moore, to me, are very similar. I do think he's better than Elijah Moore, and I think he gets more targets this coming year than Elijah Moore. Problem People is, take I more don't of know the outside stuff than more will. Yeah, I do think more kicks in the slot and Wilson goes outside. The, I think the problem is that I don't know how valuable his one hundred and you know one ten targets are because I just don't know how great of a player Zach Wilson is yet, and I do think he's going to be better. And a lot of this with a lot of the doubt with Garrett Wilson for me hinges upon. Is his quarterback any good? Because if his quarterback's not good, he's a good receiver with a bad quarterback. We know how that story goes. You end up disappointing. Um, And I'm afraid that Garrett Wilson gets overdrafted because of his talent and his quarterback 
doesn't deliver the way we need him to, and Garrett Wilson therefore disappoints based on his ADP. So I do think That's he's why good. We got him down here at five. Right. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, I, if we're drafting off talent, I've got him at three. I I agree. Yeah, and if he falls to the one hundred and five in a rookie draft, I'm going to take him, like, and not think twice about it. Yeah, I'll be, like, like I agree. The production is not going to be quite there year one. I don't think. But I mean, the dude, he's a top ten draft pick. The hit rate on those is far higher. Obviously, receivers much higher bust rate than running backs, especially up there. But let's put it this way: you can't go drafting him expecting a wide receiver one. I wouldn't even expect a high wide receiver two. But I think you can get low end wide receiver two production, very high wide receiver three right off the bat. Potentially. He's the kind of guy that they could sort of figure it out beyond the halfway point of the season. Like, I really think he's going to stink the first half of the year, but then the second half of the year, he's going to sort of figure it out and he's going to pick it up and he's going to have a couple of flash weeks where people are going to be like, holy crap, Garrett Wilson's really good. We need to start buying him. It, But I do think that first half of the week is going to be real where he sucks and you're going to be like, why did I draft this guy? And if you're in a dumb league, you might year, have people dropping him. Go by Garrett Wilson. Yeah, by the talent. Number six, Jamison Williams, another guy. You've got to buy the talent. Um, I think for some people, he was their potentially number one wide receiver in the class. That's not the case yeah, anymore of because of the landing spot. A lot of people had him high. And a lot of NFL GMs were saying, you know, he could be the one guy that's a lock to be an all pro out of these rookies. And I do think he's incredibly talented and he's going to fill a role in the Detroit Lions offense. Problem is he's in the Detroit Lions offense. And he's gonna miss he's coming time off probably to start the season. Correct. He's he's gonna miss a bit. He's coming off that ACL injury. Um I I do think if he's at full health, he is I I, I don't know, like one C target in this offense where TJ Hawkinson, DeAndre Swift are going to get their targets. I don't think they go away. I do he's think the I'm number one Brown. wide receiver quote. Yes, yes, I do Not think the he's the number target. one receiver. Amon Ross St. Brown will still get his targets. He earned a spot in that offense. So there's there's a lot of infighting for targets in this offense, and the problem is they are Jared Goff targets, meaning they're not very good. So I'm not really convinced that he's going to be very good in 2022 at all. But and for in the a time dynasty being, format. For the time being, he's more of a better football move than a fantasy move because he stresses correct. the defense. Yeah, and he should allow guys like DeAndre Swift to eat underneath, Hawkinson to eat underneath, you know, Quintez Cephas or... Guys, or even honestly, Amon Ross St. Brown could benefit a little bit from Jamison Williams just because Jamison Williams would be the fastest guy in the field most Sundays. He is, and he's he's not just fast. He's a good route runner. Um, he is a legitimate weapon. He's got the potential, if all his you know potential is tapped, that he could be a Tyreek Hill level player where he just... I mean, he is a problem to deal with, and you've got to completely speed scheme kills. your entire defense around stopping him. Yeah, speed kills. So he could be really good. Problem is, 2022, I would not expect a whole lot out of Jamison Williams. But don't panic on him. Draft him, let no. him sit on the bench, but don't don't freak out. Yeah, I've seen it so many times in one of our dynasty leagues especially where Guys draft rookies and then expect them to be really good their rookie year, and when they aren't, they drop them. And then you have to wait. You have to just let them sit on your bench and just let them sit there. I know I got Cam Akers is, that way where he was dropped because he wasn't doing a lot his rookie year, and you know, like the talent's there, he's going to produce eventually. It's talent wins out. You just need to let it happen. So these guys will figure it out. This is Dynasty. Be patient. It will get there. Number seven, 
the only quarterback, honestly, worth mentioning out of this rookie class, and even then, I'm not sure if I'm really into it. We got Kenny we, Pickett. We have him here. Usually, when we do rankings on this show, it's Superflex, but Superflex is really easy to quote unquote correct because wherever quarterbacks are, you can just drop them out for one quarterback QB, and that's your ranking. So, yep, we're assuming Superflex, so you have to take Kenny Pickett. Yeah, I would imagine that he is a Mac Jones light for a rookie year, meaning he's going to finish somewhere between like 18 and 25-ish where he's he's decent, but he's not he's not awful either. I don't love Kenny Pickett talent-wise. He scares me. I think I'll be honest. Yeah. He's is a good landing spot for a quarterback because you're going to an offense that has Najee Harris, has Deontay Johnson, has Chase Claypool. They drafted George Pickens in the second, who's a he's really talented. They have Pat Fryermuth, who's really good, tight end. So there's a lot of weapons and a lot to use in Pittsburgh. But I just I don't like Kenny Pickett. <laughs> See, I think he he's doesn't good. And he went to a place like Mike Tomlin is a great coach. So I think Pickett's going to be put in situations to succeed. Like Mike Tomlin won eight games with Duck Hodges. So I would imagine that they'll be decent. Right. That dude was terrible. Like, where is he now? He's probably hunting. I have no idea. The woods somewhere. Like Kenny Pickett should be a better real-life quarterback than a fantasy quarterback. And I think the Steelers will probably be pretty decent. They should win some games. They've got a decent offense. They've got pieces for him. But you're right. I don't think he's great for fantasy. Like, I don't think any of the quarterbacks in this year's draft class are, honest-to-goodness, worth drafting. Like, if you can pass on them, I would. I was watching Dan Orlovsky. He was doing a film breakdown on Pickett, and the stuff he was saying about Pickett was just super discouraging. He was talking like how Kenny Pickett, you know, he would he panics in the pocket when things break down. It's not good. He's, you know, he will make bad decisions here and there when he's throwing the football. I'm like, well, if you panic in the pocket, you do not have a good offensive line in Pittsburgh still. So he's going to face a lot of pressure. Right, because he's means not a lot getting of mistakes are coming. Did you know yeah. he had 28 I, fumbles the past two seasons? He had 28? 28. Are we talking like 14 a year or... How did that I, shake I gotta out? Go How back the and crap look. do you have that many fumbles? I got to go back and look if it was this past year or not, but I know it was second in the FBS. That ain't good. That's not what you want to be second in the FBS in. No. And he doesn't have a cannon either. No. He puts the ball on time on target. I give him that. Um, but he he's not he doesn't have any of the flashy pop traits that you want in a quarterback. I will say this for Kenny Pickett, he changed college football with his slide rule. He did. So, he did. Good on you, he, Kenny uh, Pickett. Good on you for Pump faking a slide in the uh, ACC championship. <laughs> Look, you didn't that blow was, out your knee doing great. that. <laughs> Wouldn't that have been just the worst? He pump fakes a slide <laughs> and tears his ACL. <laughs> Poetic justice. Number eight, we've got Chris Olave, and I'm very lukewarm on Chris Olave, but I've warmed up a he, little bit. You might have warmed up a little bit more than I have, but he does have a clear path to targets, which is honestly at the at this point in your rookie drafts, you're looking at all right, who's going to produce year one for me? Uh, who's got the talent that they could grow into a larger role later? And Chris Olave is really talented. The issue right now is his quarterback is Jameis Winston, and. Michael Thomas is a target hog in that offense. Now, I think Chris Olave can stretch the field, and I do think that Jameis Winston will 
chuck it. Like Jameis Winston was not very good last year when he played. He was very conservative. I think he averaged under 200 yards passing a game. I think it was like 190 or something like that, 178. Yeah, it it that's, wasn't that's great. Only- and Sean Payton's gone. So there's there's a few things that aren't really working in Olave's favor. But we do know that Jameis Winston will chuck it. He will absolutely sling it if you give him a green light. And I, I think want the 30, Olave, 30 J-Mo again. Do what? We want the 30-30 J-Mo again. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of negative game script, a lot of interceptions, but a lot of touchdowns too. So, Yeah. And I, I think Chris Olave should be pretty decent. He's a he's polished. He's smooth. He's a guy that's not going to struggle initially like some of buttery these other receivers smooth. will. A lot of people say that about him. A lot of people say buttery smooth. Um, but I, I don't think he's got a clear path to eight targets a game. I think he might get five, six. Uh, five or six targets really isn't going to make your bacon. But Michael Thomas is 30 years old. And he is don't even only know getting older. Play. We we don't, and and that feels weird to say because he hasn't played for so long. He's basically Ben Simmons of the NFL. Um, I don't know. Chris Olave is interesting, but I he's he doesn't offer me the elite upside that I might get with some of these other guys that we'll talk about. Um, he's good, but he didn't but land think- in a situation that could blossom per se. But there, yeah. there's something with him that he is still talented. He should figure it out. I think, obviously, draft night, I was kind of in the same boat as everybody else. I'm like, oh, this is a horrible landing spot for Chris Olave. I thought he was going to fall lower. I see a lot of people had like mocked him to the Packers or somebody or like the Chiefs trading up to get him, and it was Jamison Williams who was going to go to the Saints. And then the Saints traded up to get Chris Olave, which, you know, at first gut reaction, I'm like, this is terrible news. However, I think Chris Olave, obviously, he's extremely talented, very polished, and just that, the Saints traded up to get him. So, obviously, there's something they like. They're going to use him. He's going to have long value because they traded up to get him. Obviously, they like him. So, you're not super excited for Chris Olave, but late in the first round of your dynasty rookie drafts, he's going to be great value. Go take Chris Olave. Yep. 100% agree. Uh, number nine, this is the guy where you're taking him and you hope that he has league winning this upside. This one's exciting. This is exciting. Honestly, these last three, these last three are all the really flashy, as- potentially league changing moves. They are not as talented as the guys in front of them, but they landed in far better spots than the guys in front of them. Correct. So Sky Moore at number nine, obviously lands with the Chiefs, gets Patrick Mahomes, which is amazing. The thing with Sky Moore, I, I the, the dude was amazing in college. Like, have you have you watched Sky Moore tape? I don't know if you have or have not, but if, that dude is nasty. He's going to be good. Where do you think he fits in with that Kansas City offense? <sighs> I'm torn on kind of where I put him because he's not Tyreek Hill. He is very, Sky Moore is very fast. He will be an excellent field stretcher, but he's not Tyreek Hill fast. He's, I don't even know if he's Tyreek Hill talented, but see, I don't know because obviously, obviously Travis Kelsey still tight in one, target one. He's going to get the volume there. I think this is semi good news for Juju because I didn't go out and get Chris Olave or Jameson Williams or a guy like that. So Juju is still going to be a very good wide receiver, too, I think. He's going to get a lot of targets. But just the potential, because I think he, you can forget about McCole Hardman now. McCole Hardman's done. Sky Moore takes his spot. I think he's better than McCole Hardman. I think he's going to have those weeks where he catches the bomb from, Ty, from Patrick Mahomes. 
I think you'll get a, a decent amount of targets. Probably, he may not get as many as Garrett Wilson, but I'm guessing maybe around Garrett Wilson targets. Yeah. Maybe 90 to so, 100 targets. But that's 90 to 100 moved. targets, not Zach Wilson targets. Those are Patrick Mahomes targets. Right. Those are really valuable 90 to 100 targets. Um, I have Juju Smith-Schuster moving down a lot right now. Um, I think I had him at like 19 or 20-ish before Skymore was drafted. I've got him at 35 right now. And it's just because... I've got Kansas City right now slated for 650 pass attempts, roughly. And I probably still need to like tweak my projections for this offense a little bit because there's a little bit of prognostication here where we don't know exactly how this all shakes out. But Marquez Valdez-Scantling, deep threat. McCole Hardman, I deep threat. I forgot about him. Yeah, they, they don't have elite options but there's more of them not to mention the fact that they signed a lot of speed yeah and they signed justin ross as a udfa and i'm a little bit scared that justin ross finds a way to stick in this roster and is impactful because he's really good he just has a lot of injury concerns um and not like travis kelsey is a wide receiver one in terms of the volume that he attracts. You got Sky Moore, you got Juju. And honestly, CEH, he's probably going to get some work in the passing game as well. Not a ton, but a little bit. And it just kind of all adds up. So I don't know exactly how this all shakes out. But I do think, all that said, I'm not, I'm not that reaching Sky Moore Sky has Moore. the potential. No, I would take him in the late first. Like People are probably going to reach on him because of his quarterback situation. I would not be reaching on him. And I don't think that he is uber productive year one, to be totally honest with you. And I think you can, in your rookie drafts, you can probably take advantage of something like that. Like, if some dude takes Sky Moore over Chris Olave, like, that's great news for you. Chris Olave is better. Yeah. Yeah. But I do think that Sky Moore has a higher ceiling, potentially, than some of these other guys. He's probably a wide receiver three his rookie year, but he's got the potential but to be a wide receiver he's, two it's or better. Patrick Mahomes out there, man. It's Mahomes. Right. If he gets going with Patrick Mahomes, Juju Smith Schuster's on a one year deal. McCole Hardman, that deal has to be expiring soon. Um, which means as early as next season, Sky Moore could be the unquestioned number one wide receiver in this offense. Travis Kelsey's not getting any younger either. In two years, if Travis Kelsey retires, Sky Moore could be the number one target in that offense. And that means that he's going to be amazing. Like, he doesn't even have to be that good because it's Patrick Mahomes, and Patrick Mahomes' targets are really, really valuable. So, Sky Moore has the potential. Like, he's shiny. He's a really shiny piece that could be really interesting for your fantasy teams. I would temper expectations, though. He's a guy that you could potentially fall in love with and overdraft. And I've said this before, and I'll keep saying it, because I have done the same thing. I fell in love with Trey Sermon last year, and I overdrafted him, and obviously we see all, we saw how that turned out. He you can't dead. fall in love with guys and overdraft them. But he's going to be he's gonna be a, a problem when come rookie drafts, because he's going to be sitting there when you're at pick six, pick five, pick seven. You're going to be like, I, I want him, though. I just, I just want him. Yeah. At at pick five, you're going to talk yourself into, okay, I'm just going to risk it. I'm going to take Sky Moore, and it's probably too early. Now, you're if probably he, gonna if regret he it. smashes, yeah, he probably will. But if he smashes, what do we know? Christian Watson at 10. That's the that's the next one. That's a, that's a pretty landing spot that looks really good. I like it. But it could burn you. Not as good as the other guys in front of him. But dang it, he's... Is he Aaron Rodgers' top target now? Honestly? I'm guessing. Probably. I think... Probably so. 
this is probably you knew you knew the Packers were going to take a wide receiver. So this is probably best case scenario for Alan Lazard, I'm guessing, because they didn't they didn't go get a Chris Olave or somebody or Jamison Williams or a guy that I think Aaron Rodgers really would target the crap out of. Right. I do have Alan Lazard projected a little bit higher than Watson right now. I don't really know what to do with these two. It's it's one of those situations where you've got to pick one of them. And in a dynasty league, you take Christian Watson and you take that potential. But for just next year, I don't really know which one of these two guys is more valuable. I feel like Alan it's... Lazard, not to the same level, but you're kind of looking at a Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy sort of situation with this where like I I think both have value. I don't know which one this year that Rodgers targets more. Right. Obviously, both of them, they're going to see a lot of targets just because there's who else is going to get them. But. Yeah, I mean, he's walking into. Juicy, juicy landing spot. Super juicy. We talked about it. I mean, there's 220-plus targets gone from that offense last year. That's a large vacuum that needs to get filled, and somebody will fill it. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to be good. He's one of the most wildly efficient quarterbacks we've ever seen. So, Right. He doesn't even have to have a ton of targets to be productive in that offense. Exactly. And I do think that... uh, Christian Watson or Alan Lazard, whichever one you you really buy into, you draft them and you feel good about it. There, that's a good, that's a great situation. That's honestly the best case scenario for Christian Watson. Thing with Watson is he was not as dominant at the college level as you would have hoped. There's some question marks that he will develop into a legit wide receiver. There's there's a little bit of risk with Watson that, you know, maybe he's not there with some other prospects, but I do think that the ability to develop while Aaron Rodgers is throwing you the ball is an invaluable experience, and I do think he'll be better for it. I think he should be like this is the best chance for him to be a good pro player to me. I think this is his best shot. Yeah, I agree with that. Final guy on our we, – we did a top 10, but we've got one other dude that I'm sure you are waiting to hear about that we can't really ignore because Everybody's his landing spot is, is – his landing spot's amazing. It's, uh, we've it's seen James this movie Cook. before. We have seen have this we? before. We definitely have. He is a prime overdraft candidate to me. For sure. And I, I like James Cook a lot, but I think – now, it won't be to the extent of it, but we could see this is kind of a CEH 2.0 so where he's going to have value. He's not – obviously, he's not going to go one-on-one like CEH did a couple years ago. But he is not – he's not the focal point of that offense, and he never will be, not if Josh Allen's there. Josh Allen is the goal line back. And – James Cook is not built to handle a ton of carries. He'll be a good receiver, but he's not going to see a lot of volume. The thing with him that where, could be interesting, he he's super interesting to me. I do think he's the best running back in that offense next year in terms of fantasy production, but I don't think that that but means he's an elite. Singletary's not, gonna, Singletary's not just going to disappear. Right. Singletary will eat into that running pie. And in fact, I have Singletary projected for more overall rushing attempts than James Cook. But I do think that Cook can make up for it in the passing game, and he should probably be a top 30 running back. But here's I think the problem he's more with James explosive Cook. explosive than Singletary is. Yes. Yeah, I would agree. Problem with, uh, problem with James Cook is that people are buying the landing spot too heavily and they're disregarding the fact that he was a mid-second round rookie pick before this landing spot was a thing. 
He is, if anybody is the Trey Sermon of this year, it's James Cook, where he's not worth a mid-first-round pick because there's so many potential question marks with him where, yes, great landing spot. He's a great receiving back. He's He's got the potential, sure, to be an absolutely amazing running back. The problem but it is, has to be a perfect storm. It's got to be a perfect storm, and you don't want to buy guys that you need X, Y, Z things to happen for them to be great. You want guys that have the path already laid out for them. And too many fantasy players right now, I've seen it with my own eyes, and it doesn't make a lick of sense. People are saying that James Cook is a better rookie pick than Brees Hall, which is the most ludicrous thing I've ever heard in my own my whole entire life. I would, so, I would love to be in the league with you if you think that. Right. <laughs> like, please take James Cook at the 101 and let me have everybody else. Uh, he's a guy that I'm willing to take at the end of the first round. Like, if I've got the 108, sure. Oh, yeah. And I'll I'm assuming it. if you have that pick, you've got a pretty good team. So right. you can afford to take a shot on a James Cook. Like, I mean, what if he does become a an RB2 that can have those spike weeks? Sure, yeah, get him on the team. But he's... I think where we've got him, like, late first if you want to take a shot, but early second. But I would not, absolutely not take him over any of these guys ahead of him that are more talented. No no chance. Yeah. All right, rapid fire. There's a few other guys that are interesting for fantasy but aren't really worth a full breakdown. So we're going to do this. I'm going to say their name, and you're going to tell me if they are a wide receiver one, wide receiver two, wide receiver three, or suck. <laughs> and also running back one. one. <laughs> All right, running back uh, two, three, suck. Wide receiver two, three, suck. So, number one, Wandale Robinson. Is he a wide receiver two, a three, or suck? Suck. Cool. Damian Pierce, two, three, or suck? Hold on, Damian Pierce... He went to Texans? He went to the Texans. I think he's a three with potential two upside. I agree. Isaiah Spiller, caveat with this one, 2022, but then also the beyond. So two, three, suck in 2022. Suck in 2022 unless Eckler goes down, but he's a handcuff in 2022. Beyond, keep an eye on him. Yeah. George Pickens, two, three, suck. Ah, suck. <laughs> Alec Pierce. Then it, it's purely because of he's got too many, too much target competition. I like, um, I like Pickens a lot, but he's got a rookie quarterback or Mitchell Drabisky, and he's the third wide receiver on that offense, probably the fourth target. Yeah, Alec Pierce, who went to the Colts, two, three, or suck. Three, with maybe two upside. Brian Robinson, who was drafted by the Washington Commanders, uh, running back two, running back three, or running back suck? Suck. John Mechie the third also went to the Texans. Where do you have him? Two, three, or suck? Three, if he plays. Like, because I know he tore his ACL. Yeah, <laughs> he died. Um, I think the only guy I really want to just put a little bookmark in is Damian Pierce drafted by the Texans. Other running backs are for sure. Uh, they are Marlon Mack and they are sexy Rexy Rex Burkhead, which means Damian Pierce has an immediate potential to see a lot of rushing work. Problem with him though, is he could be the Michael Carter situation where it doesn't have the draft capital. A team will easily move on from him if they have a running back fall to him, and 2023 has some really good running backs. But 2022, Damian Pierce could be interesting. He has a clear path to immediate work. Yep. So that pretty much wraps up our rookie recap. Um, let us know on any social media platform where we... finally we, launched a Twitter. Yeah, we, we've got Twitter. We've only on Instagram for a while. So we're on Instagram at fantasybrothers underscore. We're on Twitter at fantasybros underscore. And if you search for fantasy brothers 
on Patreon, you will find us there. Uh, but let us know where we missed, because I'm sure there's so many hot take jokers out there on the in in the internet that think we're stupid. But uh, you, you might be right. We're not experts. We just like fantasy. Exactly. We like we talking spend, about fantasy. We, we just spend way too much time on this. Let's be honest. So, so we like talking about fantasy. So if you think we're idiots, tell us. We will talk to you about it. We will talk about fantasy. We will, we will be happy to argue with you. <laughs> we'll happy. We'll be happy to explain why you are an idiot. I thought you were going to be like a lot nicer than me, but then you you're going to call him an idiot. And I was just going to argue. No, I mean we we and also we've never been wrong. No, not once. Not one time. Not ever. Especially not about Trey Sermon. We've never finished last in our fantasy leagues. Not one time. That, that was that was year one. Okay. <laughs> We don't we we don't talk about it. We don't talk about it. I, I don't think there's any photos on the internet. <laughs> I don't think. There might be. <laughs> I hope not. That's all we've got for this episode. We will see you later this week. We'll see you later, guys. Hosea. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Brothers Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode and want to connect to us, follow us on Instagram at fantasybrothers underscore or on Twitter at fantasybros underscore. If you want to support the show, you can do that at Patreon forward slash fantasybrothers.